0: Yeah, it's like it was nice, fluffy snow first, and then uh, the sleet. It was beautiful too for it was a while, pretty, yeah. for a few hours. And driving, driving up on the road, going up to Berkeley Springs. Uh, I like big it's flakes. A very buy. curvy road, so I felt very accomplished for not slipping and sliding, and being able to you know go up a heavy grade and yeah. take a turn. I was loving my new tires. <laughs> yeah. really glad that I got new tires. New tires, time full for tank, winter, and the back of my car is filled with all my tools. Right, and it's a front wheel drive, so I'm like you know perfectly balanced. It's good oh, I times. think we are up and rolling. We got the Facebook peeps. Yeah, we got the Facebook people in the
1: house. What's up, Facebook? What's up, Twitch? What's up, YouTube? We are live in three places, guys, wherever you like to watch. We're happy you're here. And uh, this is Actual Eye Podcast, our regular live stream program covering John Verveke's awakening from the meaning crisis. We are now on episode 45, The Nature of Wisdom. So we are on the downhill slope, fam. We are getting close to completing this epic series. I'm just going to get us uh,
0: shared up on the socials right quick. Yeah, let's do the socials. Yeah, only uh, after this, only four episodes left of the series. That's, that's a big thing. And then we'll be taking some time to set up a alternate studio. It'll actually be six, right? 45, 46,
1: 47, 48, 49... 50 will we'll ne- be the sixth ne- one get, yeah. oh, next episode is five left yeah yeah and I, I counted it wrong in my last uh-huh. um, podcast i did a poetry
0: podcast Who knew? the other week and yeah, but I yeah i'm planning right. on getting a uh, proper studio studio set up and you know better production quality yeah more, more consistent um, yeah i've gotten us a new camera
1: here we got to do mics We finally got this camera working. We had to get a video capture card so I could get rid of the latency. But I think everything's running smooth now. If you guys see any issues or
0: anything, let us know. Yeah, and the color brightness, you know, might be a little, or the color and brightness might be a little funky because I haven't really gotten the chance to get into that thing and do many tests because pretty much it's just figure it out, you know, 30 minutes to an hour before we uh, go live. But you know, uh, technology is getting easier and easier. And well, there's the YouTube. So all you do is type in the product, and bada bing, bada boom. Uh, well, and sift through the the information you don't need to know. That's 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 always you know, right? Just because it's salient doesn't necessarily mean it's relevant. True <laughs> that. True that. Oh, YouTube. And not accusing any uh, YouTubers. That do the you know technology stuff of being sophists, not, not any of that. Some of them, I sure, I'm sure are, but you know, what can you do? Yeah, well, you can't get away with that type of um, that type of tech money making technique for very long when it comes to technology, because it either works or it doesn't, and people are pretty active in uh, comments for technology YouTube's, so whether it's computers, cameras, you know, all that stuff. You know, the market forces people to uh, stay pretty honest when it comes to the more uh, technical and, uh, oh, let's just say, the uh, real things. You know, there's there's a lot of crap in the market that's just like, watch me throw this thing at the wall. <laughs> yeah. Or, Let me do a prank that isn't a prank. And then, you know, when I get beat up for it, I act all shocked shocked Pikachu face. just like, yeah. Hmm. Ugh, boy. And this is why we must awaken to meaning to you know, to get out of this meaning crisis. We're lost,
1: man. We're in a world of very bright and shiny distractions. High fidelity. Yeah, the quality is improving every year. It's very effective at grabbing our into our attention. Not, and, just, su-
0: not just super salient, but ultra salient. Yeah, we're getting addicted to screens like nothing else. It's uh, And we're getting the first generations becoming adults that have known nothing but screen time. Yeah, uh, you and know. here we are streaming live on a screen. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and for all those uh, out there listening to these after the fact, you know, we're not forgetting about y'all too. But that feels... And you know, I don't mind. I I think a lot of people do this when you're watching a live stream. You're you're doing stuff around the house too. Or you got oh, something else going on in the background. You're not watching the screen,
0: yeah, except no, for certain points. Yeah, most of the time you're I just listening. turn the brightness down and stick my phone in my pocket and just listen.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, most of the content seems to be on places like YouTube nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. People have their preferred spots.
0: But. Yeah, because I don't I don't really do you know the Spotify or the you know I I pretty much have a a. a I interact with YouTube, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. I don't do the Facebook. I don't do the the Twix. I don't do the, uh, you know, the various other forms of. I'm just, I don't have the temperament for it. I'm a Luddite and you're lucky that I know how to run the equipment that I know how to run, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, the soundboards, board's analog there. Well, okay. No, it has some digital components, but it's an analog board. You know, yeah. So. Thanks to
1: big. Thanks to DJ for yeah. getting the sound right here. Big thanks to TV Dave in the house for giving us a spot to do these last episodes here and for, uh, you know, helping provide, um, you know, the board initially, right? Or was it? Uh, the first board we used was The Dave's first board, board we used. And then and... I,
0: I bought this board that we're using now off of a buddy yep. of mine who, you know, um, uh, from one of my bands, we started using Dave's board for the band. And my buddy, he, uh, that one was an extra board for him, I guess. So I bought it off of him. It's a. Uh, what is it? Uh, Soundcraft Signature 12 or something like that for y'all who know, um, you know, not super high end, but not crap either. It's just a good mid-level workhorse with some uh, pretty good uh, mic drivers in them. Does the damn job. And, you know, no compressors and other stuff other than a small bit on the program. So, you know, doing it as simple as possible. It's the, the the KISS method to keep it keep it simple, stupid. Or keep it short and simple if you you know if you don't like calling your students uh, stupid. But I learned it in school is uh, keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah,
1: no, well, mnemonics mm-hmm. easy to remember. Well, fam, this episode we're going to be uh, picking back up where we left off. Of course, it's going to be on the nature of wisdom this time. Our previous episode, we're not going to do a long rehash here it's you know he does a good recap himself at the beginning of every one of these episodes and we're at the point where it's so complex now of all the information we've been gaining and building on yeah and up, what, you know off of it's uh it's quite a bit so it's you know you're not going to quite understand exactly what we're talking about anyway yeah and uh, a, lot to, a lot of references there's uh, a lot of references that go back to previous their, episodes
0: yeah. you know like whereas before we we'd be referencing you know like terminology and this that mm-hmm. and the other now it's which right. scientists did what study and came up with which, yes. which theory? And, he's and you know, taught us so many concepts yeah. now that you know he's
1: able to say a lot in less amount of words because yeah. he can refer to the different concepts now that he's told us about. Yeah. So, a lot of that stuff, you know, that conceptual framework is going to be missing for all of you guys. But if you find any of this intriguing or interesting at all, check out John Verbeke's Awakening from the Meaning Crisis series here on YouTube. You can also find it on the podcast networks, and there's also notes online. Uh, by Mark Mulvey. So check those out. Uh, And yeah, you know, make sure you like and subscribe. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you give John Birbakey some love, likes and subscribes as well. If you're listening on Spotify, rate us, help us rise up the ranks. You can do the same thing on Apple podcasts. And you know, that comment on a video or on a podcast helps the algorithm, I believe more than anything. So we really appreciate your thoughts and if you have any questions or anything you'd like to say feel free to drop a comment wherever you may be without further ado i think it's about that time we're going to jump on in this is john revakey's awakening from the meaning crisis lecture series this is episode 45 on the of wisdom let's roll mm-hmm.
2: Welcome back to Awakening from the Meaning Crisis. So we are continuing, uh, and it deserves this much attention, our d- long discussion about the nature of wisdom, uh, because uh, since the actual revolution it is just crucially connected to uh, uh, the project of, of meaning in life. Uh, last time we finished up a look at Bolton Stottinger, I made some criticisms uh, 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 and that that led into important criticisms made by Monica Ardelt, and then we looked at Ardelt's theory and the way it brought in an important distinction about not just having a good theory of wisdom, but the process of becoming a wise person, and then the emphasis on what are the features of a wise person as to f- as opposed to what are uh, some of the central claims made by a theory of wisdom, and then we talked about how uh, uh, Monica insightfully brings together uh, and the, the, the cognitive Uh, the reflective and uh, the affective and I pointed out how within at least the cognitive directly because of the invocation of Keeks and understanding we've got uh, relevance realization grasping the significance. I would also point out that I I think that's at least implicit in the reflective uh, machinery and there's potential deep potential connection there with both perspectival uh, knowing and uh, the cultivation of rationality at least perspectival rationality, and the affective uh, ties to agape, which I've already argued has very important uh, connections to relevance realization. And that a- affords our delts theory uh, a powerful way of connecting wisdom to meaning in life as something uh, different from connecting wisdom to virtue. And that's a very important thing to do. Uh, we still noted some criticisms. Uh, uh, that largely, it's still a product theory. It doesn't have an independent account of foolishness and, a, uh, and a, a processing theory of how one becomes wise. And in that sense, it's not picking up um, as well as it could um, the philosophical heritage given to us by people like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and Marcus Aurelius, e- etc. We then took a look at um, the theory of Sternberg, um, b- just extremely pivotal figure in um, the the psychology, the cognitive science of wisdom. And we took a look at his theory, and I pointed out his ideas about adapting, shaping, and selecting uh, are clearly uh, uh, ideas about relevance realization. He invokes uh, uh, implicit processing, tacit knowledge, in in order to bring understanding in, uh, that in sort of intuitive grasping of the significance of information, I think is what he's implying. We talked about how he involves a balancing of interests. And there's the interpersonal, how you're connected to yourself. The interpersonal, how you're connected to other people. The extrapersonal, how you're connected uh, to the world. And so that's at least important connections to, implicitly at least, I mean, um, important connections to uh, meaning in life that we've been talking about throughout this course. He invokes balance throughout, and I try to make a good case that you should see that as optimization and directly relevant, therefore, to uh, accounts of optimization of processing that we discuss with connection to uh, relevance realization. There were some issues I had with Sternberg, uh, the idea that all wise people, all of this machinery is directed towards the common good. That strikes me as anachronistic, I think um, a a less contentious claim would be that it's directed towards virtue and meaning in life for oneself and others in some unspecified way. There was also the invocation of values as affecting or constraining the whole uh, process. Again, it was unclear to me what this is. There's an ambiguity here. It could be the relatively trivial claim that the wise person is being regulated by normativity. You know, by considerations of what's true and good and beautiful. Um, and that would be definitional because w- w- wisdom is a normative term and therefore relatively trivial. Or it could be that specific values are being invoked here. Uh, but if that's the case, they should be specifically stated and then justified for why those ones are chosen and explicitly explained how those specific values make an impact on specific aspects of the machinery. Uh, so that's all sort of uh, missing and needs to be addressed. It's ultimately a product theory, not a process theory. Sternberg does have a theory of foolishness, but it's not independently generated, and it doesn't really pick up on the centrality of seeing through illusion and into reality. So if you'll allow me uh, to make use of all of that machinery, not only the machinery that we've talked about in the psychology of wisdom, but the machinery that many of these theorists are either explicitly or implicitly invoking, all of the philosophical uh, work we already covered Um, in the first half of the course, uh, Connected to Wisdom. I want to try and humbly draw upon that and talk about a proposal made by myself and Leo Ferraro. If you remember, Leo and I have done work together on flow, which I've uh, talked about, work on mindfulness that I've talked about. Uh, This is work from 2013. So the place to start is to go back to what we saw and what uh, uh, argued for. So I, I hope I don't have to recapitulate that whole argument, right, that we have these two competencies. We have sort of an inferential competence that has to do with our propositional knowing. And we have an insight competence, right, over here. And that has to do with construal. And that has to be, that's more sort of procedural perspectival. I'll come back to that point, because that's one of my criticisms of Vervecki and Ferraro. And then the idea here is that this is enhanced and protected from undue influence from sort of more S1 processing by active open-mindedness. And then I argued, uh, following Jacobs and Teasdale, Right, and also arguments derived from the, indi- the need for an independent competence on construal, etc. Right, that while this is really clearly the case for theoretical context, in more uh, therapeutic or at least ext- existentially developmental context, we want this uh, to be foregrounded and we want it protected from that, and so we want it developed by mindfulness. And, we, and you understand that by mindfulness I mean a style that coordinates psychotechnologies together of meditation, contemplation, um, perhaps, uh, flow interaction with the environment. That brought up the immediate c- uh, question of, okay, how are these coordinated together? Now, one answer might be that they are just opponent processing and they are self-organizing, and, and, and that's potentially uh, viable. But there's we already at this point... Uh, sorry, that sounds so self-congratulatory. I don't mean it that way. Okay, we argued, let's just state it that way, we argued that whereas this is giving priority to uh, propositional knowledge, this has to do with uh, procedural knowledge. Skills of attention, uh, basically with cultivating certain skills of attention. And then the idea was that active open-mindedness and propositional knowing, basically, we argued then, uh, give you knowledge of facts this this gives you knowledge of events right or processes so right this basically tells you about uh, we're understanding what a fact is as cross-contextual patterns events or processes are things that are unfolding like idiosyncratically like in time and space i'm not I mean, that's sort of right. Uh, Perhaps a better way of putting this that would align it with the stuff we talked about with um, Schwarz and Sharp is, this is your grasping of principles, and this is your grasping of processes. And this would therefore largely be sort of like uh, what's being talked about in Sophia, and this is largely what perhaps what was being talked about in Phronesis. We suggested that, Uh, I'm still open to that suggestion. I'm not quite sure that it it, it maps as cleanly as that now, but in addition to this clearly uh, uh, propositional and uh, at least centrally procedural, uh, we invoked prospectival, right? So this is propositional, This is largely procedural. And then this is perspectival. And then, right, so if this has to do with inference, this has to do with insight, and we've already got a good sense, we've seen this. Uh, We didn't, we were not aware, because it hadn't been generated, we were not aware of Grossman's work at the time, but we knew uh, the Berlin uh, work. And this is, of course, what's being managed here is internalization. How do you learn to take, adopt, and take other people's perspectives and internalize them within your own processing so they become metacognitively effective. And then we, we said, well, what perspectival knowing did, and here's where I want to, i launch one of my, I think, first cri- criticisms. We said, well, what perspectival knowing does is it integrates knowledge of facts with knowledge of events it sort of helps you to use, I think, maybe better language. It helps you to put principles into process and have processes governed by principles. And that's what sort of perspectives are doing. So this is, we're talking about the The epitome of this is a skill, and the epitome of this is a theory. And what a perspective does is put theories and skills together. I think that's kind of right, uh, still, in a sense. But I, I think the relationship is, and this is a, Um, what I would argue for here, the relationship is more like this, that propositional knowledge is grounded in but affected by procedural knowledge, your skills, knowing how to interact, and then that this, your, your ability to cultivate skills and then apply them to the propositional knowledge, is grounded in your perspectival knowing because that's going to give you your situational awareness that you need to cultivate the skills and uh, so that you can apply your knowledge of principles. And then I would argue that that's, and you've seen me make this argument before, this is ultimately grounded in your participatory knowing. The agent arena attunement um, that affords your being in the world and your ability to go through modal transformation, existential change. So, that also brings up, I might as well mention it now, another criticism of this, of this theory, which is, although it's talking about propositional and procedural knowledge and perspectival knowing, there, there's no clear discussion here of participatory knowing. And that's a significant lacuna in the theory for the following reason. Without an account of participatory knowing, um, for all of its claims, the Vervakian-Farrar theory, of being a process theory, Uh, rather than a product theory. Without talking about the participatory knowing, it really can't incorporate into its account of becoming wise how one goes through transformational experience, how one goes through modal change. I mean modal in the existential sense, not um, the logical sense. So without connecting participatory knowing to this overarching schema, the connections between Wisdom, transformative experience, altered states of consciousness—all of these things that we've discussed are actually uh, crucially missing uh, from this theory, and therefore its claim to being an adequate processing theory uh, can be uh, r- uh, rather significantly challenged. I, and I think that that so that needs um, important development. We did talk about a cognitive style that you could cultivate. One more thing, I think what we were doing is also, we were smuggling in that the, the perspectival knowing with the process of identity creation that's central uh, to participatory knowing. Um, so I, I think that was also uh, part of the problem. Now, uh, what we did argue is that this is set within a cognitive style that will give you a higher order way of regulating active open-mindedness and mindfulness. And here we took directly from the philosophical tradition, and we talked about internalizing the sage, right? Internalizing Socrates, internalizing the Buddha, internalizing Jesus, internalizing the sage. And we talked about what impact that has uh, so we, you know what this is. Internalize, we talked about this repeatedly, what the process of internalization is, what it's like to internalize Socrates, et cetera, et cetera. And we've already seen how central that is to wisdom. It's, so while this is overcoming fallacious reasoning, right, this is overcoming misframing, misconstrual. What this is doing is it's helping you to overcome egocentrism in a powerful way. These are all ways in which we can fall into illusion. So, self-deception. But we also talked about what does internalizing the sage do? What's, when you get that metacognitive enhancement, you get that perspectival ability, uh, what's it doing? So here we talked about a virtue that you haven't heard me talk about very much, and it's it's unfortunate because, in some ways, this 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 is okay. So the, the ancient Greeks had four cardinal virtues: wisdom, which is really kind of a meta virtue, right? justice, which we talk a lot about, courage, um, and then the fourth is this word sophrosyne. Now, sophrosyne is often translated as temperance; doesn't capture it well. Moderation doesn't capture it well. So I want to uh, to uh, put uh, aside um, that. And, and try and come back at this, but you see, if you went to the Delphic Oracle, there were uh, things in, inscribed on the wall there, and one was "Know thyself," and th- that's clearly you know connected. And Socrates made it his own, and we, we've come to know what that means: how the, the, the knowledge of oneself is, of course, not the not romantic autobiography, but a, a deep understanding of the principles by which you're operating. But the other one was "Everything in moderation," which was like this, and it, but that's not. Right. That, again, moderation is good, but it's not quite right. It, it's and, and and we know this is connected to something like Aristotle's notion of the golden mean that all virtue. And remember what that is. You're trying to create. You're trying to create a virtual engine that, right, right, generates enough options so you don't suffer vices of deficit, but also generates enough. Right. There's enough governance. There's enough selective constraints so that it also thwarts uh, vices of excess. So there, there's, there's a kind of optimization going on there. And as I said, there which you, you get a little bit in the word moderation, but moderation sounds more like averaging and settling. I w- I, we argue that there's a better way of trying to understand this by understanding it in something that it was often contrasted with, which is in Kratia. So you know this word. This is demoskratia, right? Power or rule by the people, and and kratia is sort of uh, exercising power on yourself. So this is kind of like self restraint, self control. And so a way of getting at this is to think about um, the. The, the fact that you could be practicing a virtue, a virtue, encratically or uh, in a Sarphacinic manner. Let me give you an example. So here's two people. There's Tom and there's Susan. Tom is honest, or at least he's trying to become honest. Now Tom goes into situations, and Tom sees clearly the potential to lie, and he sees clearly the benefit that would accrue to him if he lies, and it comes with a tremendous sort of temptation. There's a tremendous impulse, and so he exercises self-control, and he doesn't lie. And Tom is to be commended for that. That is an important kind of honesty. But consider Susan. Susan comes into a situation, she clearly sees the opportunity to lie, she clearly sees the advantages that would accrue to her if she lies, but that's it. It's like when we talked about Frankfurt and whether or not some... it's unthinkable to her, not in the sense that she can't think the thought, I can lie, or think or imagine to herself lying. It's not a viable option to her. She can't... she can't get into the existential mode where that draws on her in any way. So, although she can think it in one sense, in a Frankfurtian sense, it is unthinkable to her. It just, she's not tempted to lie in that sense. Many of us, myself included, would side with the Greeks in saying, Susan is more honest than Tom. Right? Because honesty is now second nature to Susan in a way it isn't to Tom. So that's sofrason, at least one aspect of it. Do you remember we you you see that, remember when we were doing Paul and Agape? And Paul says, now I will show you the most excellent way. And, and and then he's talking, of course, about agape as the most excellent way. And then he says, remember, in order to try and get you to understand the, uh, the transformation, when I was a child. I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, I acted like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish things behind me. And remember we talked about that? When you're a child, you're, you're deeply tempted by toys, your salience landscape automatically organizes in a certain way. But when you're an adult, when I'm a man, I come in and I see Spencer's toys. I know that they're there, I know that I can play with them, but they have no pull on me, they do not call me, they do not tempt me. And as the child is to the adult, the adult is to the sage. The sage has a salience landscape in which they are not tempted to self-deception in the ways that we so readily are. That's Sophrosun. It is to have a salience landscape that has gone through a kind of fundamental reversal. It is not, I mean, these are all differences of emphasis, but like the way our salience landscape is less oriented towards the self-deceptiveness of a child, the sage salience landscape is less oriented towards our prevalent and pervasive forms of self-deception. They see through illusion and into reality. So this is, of course, deeply perspectival, and and I want to add a little bit more to it, because it's not just right? Hey, hey, sorry, you see this like in, in, in Taoism, it comes through, right? Um, the idea that right, well, like once you've trained enough, you you, you, just, have to, you just have to let, you, the sage can just let things unfold naturally. Right. You, you see this, you know, even in Augustine, you know, love God and then do what you want. Of course, you have to love God. That means if you really, truly love God, if agape is flowing through you, like, as Paul recommends, then you have Sophrosyne, and then you will just, you will, and, and this is what I want to say, you will be tempted to the good. You will be tempted, just like you can be tempted, right, your salience landscape naturally self-organizes towards self-deception. Your salience landscape, if you're wise, naturally self-organizes towards seeing through illusion, zeroing in on what's relevant and important, and how it is relevant to the project of becoming more virtuous and having a more meaningful life—you're tempted, you're naturally tempted to the good. That's sophrosyne, and so we argued that what's what you're doing here is you're, cultiv- you're You are internalizing the sage, and what that's doing is helping to overcome egocentrism in this deep sense of helping you to realize sophrosyne. And so this means, we argued, that there's deep connections, and I don't think these have been explored enough, uh, between wisdom and sophrosyne. And of course, sophrosyne is a kind of optimization of your perspectival knowing. It's that I've optimized my perspectival knowing so it's always in service, uh, and this is what was to some degree missing from this theory, Right? it's in the service of my agent arena relationship and how that is being developed being developed, that reciprocal realization, so that I can go through the important transformations that are needed to become a wise person. We argued that what the Sofrasyn is directed towards were three Ms. Obviously, morality, more broadly construed as not just knowing the rules, but the capacity for being virtuous. Uh, Realizing meaning in life. uh, a, a deficit there is. We only, the, we only had um, self-determination theory, Rice, and, uh, DC, and Ryan, um, on this kind of stuff, and much more work, much more significant work has been done with meaning in life. Work that I'm doing with Dahlia uh Jensen Kim, Philip Reswick, and we're presenting at APA uh, this year. And so uh, this theory needs to be revised, and I've tried to show you that. Um, in in the course uh, to more directly connect this machinery to meaning in life. So this needs significant improvement. We did argue that meaning in life is irreducible a la uh, Wolf to morality. And then something we talked about is mastery. We use the three Ms because they're helpful. Um, I'm not not comfortable with that term anymore because uh, of all of its political connotations. Um, we were thinking of it more like, in, almost in the academic sense, like when you get your MA, uh, and, the, and when you know, in the older sense, like when you did your masterpiece. Uh, what we meant here was, you know, a, a terrific capacity for caring and coping uh, with reality. You had sets of skills, you had sets of psycho technologies, you had sets of uh, roles that you could take. So this gives you roles. Like propositional, no- sorry, propositional knowing gives you rules. Uh, your procedural knowing gives you, you know, uh, various routines. This uh, perspectival knowing gives you various roles. And being able to use you know, rules and routines and roles uh, with, uh, with mastery in coping and caring uh, was central. Ag- again, always guided under the gu- governance, under the regulation of, of Sofferson. So I've already, I, I, I mean, so this is a processing account. It tells you how uh, to become wise. You, Cultivate active open-mindedness. You cultivate mindfulness. You cultivate internalizing the sage. We used sports psychology here as a way of trying to get um, what that looks like. We also used, of course, developmental psychology, Vygotsky. But sports psychology talks about um, very much how people go through a process of internalizing the coach. And that's strongly analogous to internalizing the sage. And so we talked about you cultivate active open-mindedness. You cultivate mindfulness. You cultivate internalizing the sage, um, and, and you're guided overall by trying to become sofroscenic uh, in that. And so this is a processing theory. As I've mentioned, I think it, it, there's a, a deficit in it. It does not take into account. It, it, it's What's absent from it is transformational experience, uh, tra- transformational development. And these are all very uh, telling things. Uh, Uh, the the role or relationship between this and altered states of consciousness was not properly developed. Uh, The participatory knowing, which of course connects uh, to the transformational experience, is missing. So wisdom is not connected to Gnosis here in any uh, important way. So those are some important um, criticisms I would have. The relationship between the kinds of knowing wasn't well developed. We sort of just uh, argued that while well, perspectival knowing sort of synthesizes these together, I think that's too simplistic. The, a, a much more complex relationship, uh, I you see me argue for in this course, I think needs to is, is being developed and needs to be developed.
1: Before he gets carried away, yeah, man, where do we find the spaces to stop? They're just getting more and more dense. He's really pulling it all together now. So, Praveki just gave us a processing account of how we develop wisdom, or can develop wisdom perhaps. And this is really complicated, because <laughs> he's basically just drawing and mapping it out on the board behind him this whole time here. But I guess we can narrow in some of the high points.
0: Well, so we started with um, the idea of inferential competency that is um, enhanced and protected by active open-mindedness, and that is the... um, These
1: are facts or principles. The the propositional knowing, right? Yeah, this is our propositional knowing. So we have different kinds of knowing that we've discussed in this series. So then there's... This is all accounting for human awareness,
0: basically. And then there's the insight... um, Mm -hmm which is procedural knowledge and uh, mindfulness is what we use to enhance and protect that right. insight yeah um and that is in the therapeutic realm um mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. Uh, to be used in the therapeutic realm and then the third is your pr- perspectival yes on internalization um which is kind of so uh, and that's that's how that, the two yeah no, that's, two those two, together. Yeah, that's yeah. how those two Uh, the insight and inference are connected to each other. It's how we integrate the knowledge of facts with events or put
1: principles into process because our propositional knowledge is based off of facts and principles or theories. Our procedural knowledge, where we're getting the insight from rather than the inference, is what helps us with uh, misconstrual. This is how... These are our skills of attention. So these are... You could say that the inferential mode... Is rule based. The insightful mode is routines, mm-hmm. routine based, so skills of attention, events, and processes. And then the perspectival is the role that you take on the perspective you're taking on, you're taking on a role yeah. here. And that's what allows you to integrate
0: those two sorts of uh, the previous two sorts of knowing. Yeah, so the inferential helps us overcome fallacious reasoning, mm-hmm, the insight mm-hmm. helps us overcome misframing. That's right, and then the yeah. perspectival um, internalization helps us overcome egoism. And, yes, uh,
1: that's right. Okay, good.
0: I'm glad you caught um, that. And, yeah, uh, helps uh, overcome and overcome egoism. Uh, the perspectival end is then yet again wrapped around with a cognitive style that enhances and protects, and that cognitive style for that specifically is um, internalizing the sage.
1: Would be mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. This is how we learn to adopt. Others' perspectives, internalize them. When you internalize the sage, that it gives us a cognitive style to practice temperance, fortitude. You know, the, basically mm-hmm. the four cardinal virtues that he names off of, and and then he starts focusing on sophrosyne. Well, so is, r- real quick, well, his, can...
0: his critique of of his own theory, um, or well, the uh, and Ferrera um, is. Uh, The propositional knowing is grounded in the procedural, which is grounded in the perspectival, which is grounded in the participatory. So this triad doesn't take account of the participatory. No, Um, it
1: doesn't. So our perspectival, just to rehash that, gives us a cognitive style to internalize the sage and the participatory knowing, which is the culmination of these previous forms of knowing. You need to be able to... Encapsulate all of those to be able to fully practice the participatory knowing correctly. And so go ahead there. I'm sorry I cut you off. Um, No, I'm just going on with... um, We we need to connect these different parts of knowing with our other... Our participatory knowing with our other forms of process to understand how to wield wisdom correctly.
0: And how so, and in the what? How do you pronounce the word? sophronis, sofrenis, sophronism. It's going to start making sense. Don't worry, guys. Um, so, the idea for sophronism is like say, know thyself, or everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. Uh, take out the word moderation, put optimization, or what he calls in, in kratia, which is um, exercising your power over oneself. You know, self control, basically. Yeah,
1: and you get it to the point to where it's just a natural flow of virtue in life, to where you're just naturally tempted towards the good. Yeah, you're no longer tempted by things that can take away from life.
0: Yeah. So, and character. He, the story he broke down is, you know, honest Tom who can see clearly the potential, the potential and the be- so the potential to lie and the benefits of lying, but still and is tempted by it, but still controls himself not to well then there's susan who sees the same things but doesn't feel that tempting mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and, and the, the argument would be is uh, susan is more honest than tom because it's second nature to her she's further along and he gave another him, yeah. example of like you know a kid goes in a room with a bunch of toys and it's like oh man i can play with all these toys and i'm tempted to play with all these toys and all that stuff but the adult
1: there's more soroscin it,
0: it, it's just yeah. you know i i don't it's not salient to me as far as something that would bring me enjoyment or understanding, whereas at the childhood level playing with those toys is helping your brain and it's helping him all this develop stuff, his you know? capacity
1: yeah so a sorosson um virtue of the virtue of sofferson is what allows us a salience landscape that has become more aware of its capacity for its own self deception And it can allow things to unfold naturally without the need for control so much anymore. Mm -hmm. It's really in that mode of being. So this is when you're participatory. Yeah. Yeah. taking takes it from the perspectival into the natural flow of life. Yeah, so this internalizing the
0: stage cognitive style. Absolutely essential to overcome our egocentrism, right? Yeah, definitely prevents... uh, Egoism to achieve Sophrosis. I can't pronounce that word. Sorry, guys. Sophrosin. That's how so, putting... Okay. Yes, the this, the this Sophism, um, and it helps. It helps us, which which helps us to go through the changes um, that we need to go through to be wise. You know, it's mm. um, what Paul called the most excellent
1: way when he spoke mm-hmm. on Agape, that sort of unconditional love, that sort of
0: orientation towards mm-hmm. life. So we talked about the three M's, Mm -hmm. which is morality, um, meaning in life, and mastery. Which need and meaning in life needs more explanation, as as he claimed. So Mm -hmm. you know it needs to be flushed out more, which is a good thing. And then mastery, but instead of using that word, because you know how you know people feel about that word nowadays, um, and and all the political mumbo jumbo attached to it. uh, But it's more of caring and coping, the ability to use your skills and these techniques to care. You know, caring and Change yourself, self, and shift in this world because that's what coping is. Coping isn't just sucking your thumb and dealing with it. Coping is a way for you to shape mm. yourself around the situations you're in. Right, right, um, yeah. So that's the mastery end, uh, and we could use just caring mm. and coping in, instead of it, but it doesn't flow as well. More, you know, morality, meaning, and uh, m- meaning in life, and caring and coping it doesn't flow as well. So, um, but the co- so the combination of these three um inferential insight and perspectival um mm-hmm. uh what, what's the uh competencies wait, where am i um is a how to not a list so it's you know pra- you know practice your active open mindedness you know practice um you know your mindfulness uh Mm -hmm. practice your internalization you can practice these things all of these and then you really get them into and this is not a complete exponential theory yet and mm -hmm. he's very honest about that it's it's not it's it still doesn't take into account you know the the transformational experience the perspective of the transformational experience as well as you know everything else within that that You know, we've had rituals for hundreds of thousands of years that got us into that place, whether it's through, you know, um, you know, entheogenic compounds or um, extreme fatigue type stuff like dancing forever or fasting or, Mm -hmm. you know, going and getting, you know, burnt up by the sun and doing something over, you know, for a long period of time that throws you in it. There's something about that experience in going through that, that this, the theory that he came up with in 2013, I think. Um, isn't fully accounting for that ritual so I would assume that he's continuing on because he mentioned like they're going to be well at that point in time bringing all this up so he, he needs to I think fully re-encapsulate uh, all of yeah, that. Yeah, we've yeah. gone over all transformative and experiences. And
1: then account for the yeah the mm-hmm. transformative mm-hmm. experiences. And what, do they do? what
0: are they doing again? How do you practice them safely, securely, and measurably? Because this mm-hmm. is a science after all that we're going after. So you have to be able to be safe about it and measure it and be able to do it consistently. Well, we're, we're in a crisis.
1: We're in a state of crisis. We're trying to figure out what has worked in the past. Mm-hmm. We're trying to understand human consciousness, which we still haven't figured out. But this is helping us get closer, understand the different... Types of knowing that our brains are capable of accessing as we navigate through life, and how all of them build upon one another, and how to optimize the use of them to track um, what works and what doesn't. You know, we can look at history through these lenses now and see where we went wrong in particular ways in our individual uh, cultures and of ideological possession and so on, to be able to uh, protect ourselves, you know, to be able to
0: well keep ourselves
1: from going through that again.
0: And ultimately, it's really down to a base survival instinct of continuing the species. Mm -hmm. You know, because if we didn't have the base primal drive to continue ourselves and reach genetic immortality by procreating and then procreating through time and creating human civilization, this all would be meaningless. Right. You know, we with, need an upward spiral to counteract the, the downward, then, yeah. as he spoke of, of in previous episodes. Yeah, so, you know, really what all, you know, philosophy and studying and inquiry and how, you know, how to become wise, how, how does the brain work, how does all this stuff, it really comes down to the species trying to keep itself going. Mm-hmm. And we're pretty much the only species that uses that as a survival mechanism. Understanding right. oneself... And yes. the species, so we can continue going yes, because through parables,
1: through stories, through yeah. chants, through rituals. We have, for eons, grown our depth of capacity. Our we've developed our wisdom at, through various wisdom schools, and this has staved off meaning crises. It's helped heal. It's helped cultures awaken from them and go through ages of enlightenment. Lao Tzu spoke of a golden age long before he even existed, and he
0: was some 7,000 years ago or so, if I remember yeah, correctly. It's, it's funny when you look at, like, you know, ancient... Where
1: there were many masters things. like him, he They'll said. They'll
0: talk about yeah. ancients that are just as ancient, like, or more ancient to them than they are to us. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. man, we, you know, we, we've we been at it for a while. A very, very long <laughs> time. It was to 15,000
1: years ago that ancient Indian people were probably b- building the pyramids. Yeah, you know, well, the, we're definitely finding. And then that. the Egyptians were like, "We don't know where this came from, but we're
0: trying to like copy it and build this similar stuff now." Yeah, the further we dig, you know, we dig down into ancient sites, the more baffling they get. You know, if you look at like, you know, um, South South American, um, you know, old civilizations, you'll see cobbles on top, and that's the, the you know latest generation trying to mimic and fix what was older but mm-hmm. the more you dig mm-hmm. down the bigger and crazier the stones get and like the more you go okay how did they do that with their technology that we assume they had at the time maybe they're yep. just better masters of of stone age technology than we are <laughs> you know? and they were patient they were willing to yeah. take hundreds of years to build something or, yeah well multi-generational building that's the thing and, and
1: i think there was some sound vib- vibration technology perhaps I think being also used to-
0: basic chemistry Um, to vitrify certain stones and then pour them into sacks
1: like you know like the yeah yeah, there you go yeah that and i think like so they could have been doing that when we're trying to figure out how did they get the blocks of the pyramid so close together that you can't put a sheet of paper between i always thought that maybe they just had a lot of instruments and some walls to channel the sound a lot of instruments or and singers and whatnot, trumpets and everything. I
0: don't know. They got, a,
1: they got a certain frequency going, then you could at least vibrate an object enough that you could have six guys pushing against it to get it very flush and firm against the stone I beside the, it.
0: I think the pyramids were poured once you got it up there. Other than a few, a uh, few of like the chevron rocks, which were definitely well, cut that would out, be the easiest I think they were way to poured. do it. Yeah, yeah, a good geopolymer is indistinguishable from the rock, it and was they can find of. acids. Sure. Yeah. And sure. you know, it's not concrete. It's a geopolymer. It's it's a different chemistry. But you know, like even in the jungles, you can find the chemicals that are byproducts of single celled organisms in the water that can allow you to vitrify um, granite. So
1: sorry, ancient
0: alien fam, I think ancient alien theory discredits how awesome humans actually are. I'm with you on that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm <man>. pro human. <laughs> I need better evidence of aliens. Yeah. Not saying they don't exist, but I, I would like to think, yeah, I think if, out if, there. They, if they were wise enough to get off their own planet and not completely destroy themselves, they'd probably be wise enough not to go messing around with you know crazy apes that uh, you know, <laughs> have high-minded ideas about their position in the universe. You know I what think I it's, mean?
1: it could be that life is pretty rare in the universe, and that the, because the distances are so great, that we just haven't run into anything else yet. Yeah. And even if it's looking at us, it's looking at us hundreds of years ago or more. You know, so it's not oh, cool. seeing us as we are now. Or there's it'd have to be pretty close and really good at hiding itself. Yeah. Well, if there's, there's anything that's actually watching us or
0: interacting with us, what's that? The dark forest theory, where you know there's alien life out there, but everybody's being quiet because if you make a noise, you might be eaten by a predator race mm, that's yeah. much more bigger and advanced than you are. Yeah. And we're just sitting here, just screaming out into the universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's you know, it's kind of a. Fear based perspective, I guess. Well, no,
1: sure, I, but I know, think it's probably, it, it feels like it's really, really hard for a species to get off of a planet. And you have to develop technologies that can destroy your species and, sure. and your host planet to be able to get off of it. So I think there's kind of a safety stopgap that's built in place almost, such that you have to be very symbiotic with your fellow species and your planet to be able to achieve long term space travel. And that's. Is great because that's protective of other potential life forms, you know, that it might run into. If it's a little bit more gracious in its way, then it's not going to be going Independence Day parasitic alien all over the place. Yeah, I, you know, I think that though, since it is such a vast universe, that some of those parasitic alien species probably do, in some cases, exist. But you are pro- more likely to find benevolent species, I would think. Mm-hmm. That's just a, you know a thought. That's a little fun. You know, imaginatory experiment there, but
0: who knows? All right, so where They're we all just progni- prog- where where we were is basically yeah the, prog- <laughs> the 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 combination of the, the the three um, competencies, inferential insight, and perspectival um, is a how to, a how to do not a list theory. Um, so it's a you know how to. Um, theory, post-theory, theory. Right, a process theory, theory yeah. Um, it's an, a, like an account b- But of this the theory doesn't take into account the transformational uh, experiences. So that's pretty much where we were um, when mm-hmm. we hit the break. Radio, All right. Something I like that. We're jumping back in.
2: Let's go. Implicit um, in other people. Oh, I should mention, uh, a core aspect of this theory that I think is still central is that All of this, all of this, and we made this very explicit, all of this is, and this came out, it was so part of this conversation that I forgot to take a moment and explicate it, that all of this is about enhancing relevance realization. Our main argument is that wisdom is some kind of comprehensive optimization of cognition. And then I would extend that now, consciousness, character, etc. And that in order to optimize cognition in a comprehensive fashion, and in a developmental fashion, that means that what you're doing is enhancing relevance realization, and we we already saw that at work throughout this, and we saw that relevance realization is central in uh, the theories that, the explicit psychological theories that we've already examined. Now in connection with that, there's another serious uh, lacuna in this theory, uh, which is that Although it does something I think that's very important, it connects wisdom to, to insight. Let's start here. I mean, it's, it's, it would be odd to say, you know, Sam is very wise, but he's not very insightful. That seems wrong. We could, we could say things like, you know, Sam is very wise and he's maybe not very educated. Um, he might not be sort of super intelligent. That's fine, right? But to say that Sam is wise and not insightful, well that seems to trespass on that McGee and Barber point about seeing through illusion. Right? W- wisdom definitely has to do with you know gaining knowledge in the best way, theoretical knowledge, um, obviously gaining procedural knowledge. Uh, so the wise person knows how to believe well uh, and that seems also deeply, deeply right. The, the wise person is overcoming egocentrism, internalizing the sage. The, the, the traditions point to this very clearly, and they point towards uh, um, Sofreson, the most excellent way. And, and, and of course, um, one way in which this we, we could understand this is exactly the Pauline recommendation, right, that the best form of Sofreson is agape. So, but what's missing? so I've already pointed many things, but something that's central here is a theory of understanding. To say that, you know, like, oh, Bill is very wise. He's so insightful. He's, you know, he's so capable of self-transcendence and overcoming egocentrism. He believes things really well. Like, he's not easily duped, but he doesn't understand. He doesn't have deep or profound understanding of things. He's like, no, no, that's not right. Why is pe- one of the ways people zero in on relevant information is by being more insightful. Yes, one of the ways they zero in on uh, relevant information is by like avoiding uh, bias and fallacy in their inferential changes of their beliefs. Right. One way in which they over, right one way in which they zero in on relevant information, and overcome egocentrism, is all of the the, the perspectival internalization, the cultivation of sophrosyne. But what's missing, and we saw this uh, in our our delts work uh, very clearly, Uh, we saw it implied in Sternberg's. And so right. uh, we should have taken this into account. Wisdom should also have within it a clear theory or connected to a clear theory of understanding. Um, And so I think that's also missing? What is it to enhance understanding? Uh, what is it to d- develop a profound understanding? So I want to try and at least discuss that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not in the place where I have a complete theory of understanding. I've been doing a lot of work on it, work that I'm actually doing with Leo Ferraro. And, I, and because that theory is still very much a work in progress, I'm also not clear quite how right, it would fit into this. What would be the cognitive style for tapping into the participatory knowing, and how does that relate to enhanced understanding? I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so the criticisms have shown me many ways in which um, there's important lacuna, there's things that are underdeveloped, Uh, and things of which I'm I'm ignorant. However, and I'm going to try and address the understanding issue in a moment, I would like to say, nevertheless, we we can see how all of the theories, right, converge, including this one, on relevance-realization, intelligence, rationality, these different kinds of knowing, and integrating them together, optimization, they're all zeroing in on this so that we see, remember, back to this old diagram, everything converging onto RR and then coming out into all these aspects of human spirituality. And here's one I've made, I think, a plausible case for, that it really helps, plays a crucial role in helping us to give a naturalistic account of what wisdom is. That, I think, I've made a plausible case for. Now, what about understanding? Well, we already saw it invoked with this grasping of significance. And it's interesting, in a completely independent and convergent manner, when you look through a lot of the current philosophy of understanding, this is where people are now distinguishing understanding from knowledge, distinguishing understanding from just possessing an explanation, because an explanation is a set of propositions, right? So there is the idea that understanding is something beyond possessing an explanation. It's something above and beyond simply knowing. We already saw with Keeks this idea of grasping the significance. And I pointed out to you that that could be understood in terms of construal and uh, relevance realization. What I am saying is if you take a look at the philosophy of understanding literature, this idea that understanding goes beyond knowledge an explanation in the grasping of the significance of the knowledge is something to which you can make, you can draw a, a quite powerful convergence argument. Many people are converging on this idea. There's, there's some variation on what they think, right, what they think this uh, grasping the significance is. I think to go back to Smedzlin, right, uh, that it has to do, like we saw, with grasping the relevance of what you know. that he Remember, that was one of the key features of his account of understanding. So in addition to all the implication, relations, and logical relations, there were relations of relevance, non-propositional. And then I argued that, that construal plays a central role. And that construal can be understood in terms of problem formulation, the relevance realization machinery. That's found within problem formulation. So, I would argue that what we're talking about is a is a really good construal, and we have a way of talking about that already, right? We have the notion of an optimal grip. I have a really good construal that has structural functional organization I've sized up the situation well you know feature to gestalt the right degree of transparency opacity I'm getting an optimization on my grip on things so this is good contact uh, right that's the good construal and then what it does is it affords me to right to grasp um the, 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 what's relevant in the situation, how I've sized up the situation and got an optimal grip on it, affords, remember in Mateson, good problem formulation, right? Now, we also saw something else. If you remember we, we the connection to good problem finding, and that's why I talked about the, the problem nexus. And I promised to come back. I talked about Arlen, but I also uh, mentioned at uh, that point. Uh, the work of very recent work, all my markers are running out, of De Riguet. And I, I'm, I'm, I've never met this person, so I hope I get their name right. I just want to copy this very carefully. Uh, Chicksburg, I'm not sure uh, if that's right or not. This is work from 2017. And then there's also direct uh, own book on uh understanding and there's a a a lot of uh good work going on about this it's very exciting stuff they point towards what they call um the standard of effectiveness for understanding i understand something what what what's the contrast here okay you don't want to say that somebody has understood something uh and, and what that means is they've they've grasped the truth now, they, they have to be trying to grasp the truth. That's important. But, and, and, and that'll come out in a moment, right? But you can't say, well, if they didn't grasp the truth, they don't understand. Because then you're, you're faced to say the following thing, that you know, most people have never understood anything. Because most people's beliefs in the past are false. And most of my beliefs right now are false, so I'm, I'm actually not uh, understanding. You don't want to tie understanding too tightly to truth in that fashion. So instead of try, tying it to truth, you might want to try it more to something like rationality, where you are trying, right, you are using the best methods for trying to get out the truth. Uh, that's more plausible. And, and this would also help to explain why in the prototypical instances within science, we use things that aren't true in order to generate understanding. You, go, you open a science textbook, and they'll show the atom with this little circle and things going around it. Right? And that's all, that's pretty much completely false. It doesn't matter that it's false. It is effective for helping you to grasp the significance of the scientific model of the atom, to draw, as Cherniak would say, the right implications. Look for the right connections. It helps you zero in on the relevant information in the right way. And that's why it's used. Nobody, right, you're making a mistake if you think most of the diagrams and the idealizations that are at work in science are attempts to represent the truth accurately. They are not. They are attempts to effectively get you to zero in on the relevant implications. Make the relevant connections, as Smetsland would say. This is what is meant by effectiveness, right? Effectiveness is exactly doing, that. and then they talk about how what, what, It is to say that somebody understands something is that they're good at, you know, being able to apply their knowledge, right? Find new domains, open up new areas of research. So, of course, it's this multi-apt ability to apply what their their good problem formulation here, to transfer it and transform it and specify it in many different ways. And what's implied in here, of course, is an important capacity for problem finding, Somebody who has good understanding can facilitate a need for, co- they can motivate and facilitate a need for cognition, because they can use that to go out and find and formulate problems. Perhaps zero in on important uh, important problem nexus. Right. So, and of course, this optimal grip is giving me, me something that DeGret- de the de, de- or Dirajit—I don't know how he pronounces his name—also um, talks about. Many people talk about the idea that understanding is contextually sensitive; it's contextually relative. To know that I understand something is relative to the situation at hand and relative to the person at hand. You and I can both know the same things, right? But if you're in situation and situation, you're in situation A and situation B. You might understand those things because you can apply them in A. I, don't, I couldn't be said to understand them as well because I can't apply them in situation B. Right? Also, right? we could be in the same situation, but I have a different set of skills. And so I can apply my knowledge better than you can. I understand better than you can. Right? So there's very much that this is context relative. And I would then add, of course, context-sensitive, and you, right? And that, of course, is the context sensitivity. Whereas this is the ability to do things in a much more context-general way. And of course, I'm invoking the machinery of relevance realization. I'm invoking it in, a, in a good construal, and then the ability to transfer it, right, insightfully. I would also argue that one more thing is needed, right. And you know where, where this, because we've already got the idea that when if I am making these kinds of forward commitments, cognitive commitments, they need to be backed by a lot of convergence, so that my construct is also trustworthy. I've done a lot, and of course, to overcome self-deception. So if basic understanding is to grasp the significance, grasp, right, through relevance realization, the relevant implication, the relevant connections, right, this is what I'm trying to suggest to you, that basic understanding becomes profound understanding when basic understanding is used to generate plausibility. I don't think that's enough, because if you'll allow me a, a, a sort of schematic way of putting it, this is very horizontal. It tells you how to bring different domains right together into your good control, and then apply them to many domains. And you're doing the compression, right? And then you're doing the variation. You're doing the relevance. realizing the compression, variation, right? Good problem formulation, optimal gripping. This is contextually sensitive. This is effectively right, applied across in a cross-contextual manner, et cetera, et cetera. Right? But I think understanding also has, if you'll allow me, a vertical domain. Because I think part, also, of what profound understanding does is it aligns and optimizes the relationship. between. So if this is plausibility generation, what's being aligned and optimized here I think are right the propositional knowing right the procedural perspectival and the participatory i mean this goes back right somebody who really knew physics wouldn't just be grasping the propositions of physics, they would be able to, they'd have the skills, they'd know how to do physics, and they'd have the situational awareness. They would know, you know, which skills to apply and which skills to develop in order to do physics well. There might even be a participatory aspect to it. They might have come to identify with the physicalist worldview and taken up their agency uh, with respect to that, although that might be problematic given arguments from the meaning crisis, but the the more there's, so the more deeply these are aligned and interconnected and mutually facilitating each other, the more capable they are, I would say, of understanding the material. So I think what needs to be developed is a way of theoretically integrating the horizontal that understanding is to generate well, at least profound understanding is to take basic understanding, grasping the relevance connections, and make those relevance connections convergence and elegance, optimal gripping, so that profound understanding is to generate plausibility, that's the horizontal, but profound understanding is also to align. So you're getting grounding downward and you're getting emergence upward, right? the relationship between propositional knowing, procedural knowing, perspectival knowing, and participatory knowing. And then all of that needs to be, of course, integrated into uh, uh, an account of wisdom.
1: Okay. There's a lot more that we can cover before he finishes up this episode, guys. So let's jump into it. So right where we left off, he was talking about how wisdom is a comprehensive optimization of cognition that we enhance through our relevance realization, our capacity for relevance realization, and all those different forms of knowing that we can possess, the four different kinds of knowing, the uh, procedural, I'm sorry, yeah, propositional, the perspectival, the procedural, and the participatory.
0: Yeah, so this theory is necessarily con- um, connects wisdom to insight. You know, you can't be wise and unsightful. Um, and a quote is, "You must yeah yeah, 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 and right. you must, you know, see through illusion into the truth." Yeah, and um, wisdom
1: so. is like knowing how to believe well. Yeah. It's also overcoming our egocentrism so that we can even do so. Yeah. So the best form of sophrosyne is agape, is that unconditional orientation towards life. Yeah. But we do we do still need a theory of understanding. This is what's missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we come to that state of understanding, which is more than just... Well, we'll get into that. Wisdom should be connected to a clear theory, theory of understanding in order for us to fully be able to encapsulate it. And, uh, and, it, and it needs and, and, to be able to enhance understanding and what it is...
0: To develop profound understanding in general. Yeah. So, what is this understanding thing? And Verveki's not entirely sure, but nevertheless, we can see how all, all of these theories converge to rel, rele, relevant rele, uh, realization. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, well, it's, we know it's
1: something that is beyond just being able to explain or know something. Yeah. Understanding, yeah. and I had a feeling of what understanding was earlier today, in fact. I can't remember what the subject was, but it had finally clicked and it was like a eureka moment. Mm-hmm. It was one of those light bulb moments. There was the full understanding now of the, you know, I'd I'd gotten used to the explanation of it and I and I knew generally what it pointed at, but it just hadn't clicked all the way. Yet. Yeah. That's it's, understanding. It's, it's so it's understanding. like the grasping of the significance of knowledge.
0: And beyond possessing um an explanation or simply knowing something as well
1: yes that's right um, yeah beyond explanation beyond knowing it's a, it's a grasping of the significance of that ex- explanatory yeah. and that there's four or, different kinds of knowing that we have it's like a contextualization of our knowing it's it's yeah. like put into time and place you know and yeah. it's participatory so like, you know how to what, act is that, as what, it what is now. that what is that knowledge like how is that knowledge re- uh, relevant Right, it's yeah. like how teachers talk about how they learn so much while they're teaching, even though they already know the subjects, they're learning more, they're understanding more and more and more because they're finding ways of saying it to many different minds at once, and it's, they're just gaining more and more definition. Yeah, and that would be the control. That would be good contact with it. Yes, you know, like... they have a good way of of uh, approaching that. That's that's right. So 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 good control. Control is is a good problem formulation. Yeah, yeah, and that's... use of that relevance. Realization machinery that we have yeah. for problem, problem
0: formulation, and, 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 and in a way
1: that brings it all together. Yeah, right? and, and an
0: important thing to notice is this: good problem solving is an outward expression of good control. Yeah, uh, yeah. Later on, we'll talk about the necessity for things to converge, and so good contact, good control is optimal grip. Yet again, optimal, not strong grip or weak grip, but just the right grip. Um, And it affords good problem solving. So we were introduced to uh, direct, (laughs) R-E-G-T, D-E-R-E-G-T, and uh, Um, Cisberg. Oh, yeah, direct. Yeah, direct. direct, um, Standard of Effectiveness of Understanding. is. um, So
1: what we're talking about is a good way to get good control or a good way to get an optimal grip or grasp of what's relevant to us. So the standard so of technical understanding.
0: We don't want to tie understanding to truth. Instead, tie Says understanding that. to rationality. And the reason, and he brought up an example with the atom. It's like, well, the way we see the atom, where it's kind of like the um, how the planets work. You know, you got a central thing and a bunch of things orbiting around it. The or you know, that theory of the atom, the way we look at it, is technically false. It's actually more like little blebs, and you know when you get further into actually how it's like a field of probability, but but it's effective enough to grasp the mechanics of what's going on within the atom, you know, like Mm -hmm. how many electrons are in each shell. And then what's the interaction it's, it's technically false. So it's not true, but it helps you understand and realize uh, you know it's as well as you can explain and, and rationalize the actions That's of right. this thing particularly things you can't see like it's, it's as well as you can explain
1: it on yeah. an introductory level for instance when you're teaching the idea of an atom to a child and you so, can't explain yeah, that so it's, it's in the
0: field of a probability matrix it's how effective it is opposed to how true it is well kind mm-hmm. of kind of like um uh fairy tales they're not necessarily true but they're very effective at teaching you know childhood level morals and how to be right, safe like and don't go truths. wandering around the woods mm-hmm. at night or don't you know be crying wolf or maybe you know there's probably never you know a kid that got eaten by wolves because he cried wolf too much but that that story may not be true but it's effective like don't keep lying about it because people are going to not listen to yeah, you,
1: it's you in, yeah it's generally true and it's like truer than true as peterson would put it so it has a kind of a general kind of yeah, truthness yeah. that
0: but it's rational it yes. It teaches you a rational it understanding te- of so it gets the idea across yeah. effectively. Yeah. So who, someone who understands something is multi apt at applying problem formulation and and problem finding mm-hmm. to create a good problem nexus. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this problem nexus is not just one problem, but all the surrounding pro- you know all the surrounding problems. And then a core problem, and then being able you know, to, to zero in it. on the yeah on the
1: on a really good problem. basis. So it, it, it's that can solve for all the understanding problems.
0: Understanding is context mm-hmm. rel, uh, uh, relative. And, yes, contextually
1: yeah. sensitive and contextually relevant. Yeah. Wow, this is so cool. Okay, this is really starting to click now. This is making sense. I'm so, understanding.
0: So this is where when I brought up the you know how. Good control, the outward products of that is good problem solving. Well, there's something else that's needed. And the ability to transfer that insightfully to yeah. other people. So that's the mm-hmm. outward end. We need, an, yeah. we need a convergence um, for these divergent, um, for what the divergence needs. We need a vertical you, to the horizontal. We need a bunch of things right. that all agree and all come together to say, you know, like, you know, say multiple fields of science or multiple, um, you know, well, multiple theories. Um, all the things we've been you know yes yes because the horizontal the
1: basic understanding becomes a profound understanding when the basic is used to determine plausibility so this is like a left right horizontal way of understanding but we need a way that brings these different domains into construal to optimize the use of them in a cross contextual manner as he states so we bring in the vertical which brings in our four different kinds of knowing so that we can learn to embody this the propositional The, the ability to express it in, a, in an effective way, the perspectival, the ability to be able to see from those different perspectives, the procedural, the know-how, the doing of something, mm-hmm. the participatory, when you've brought that into... Of, the of,
0: act of, of doing it, of having the experience. Oh, yeah,
1: beyond the understanding of the yeah. procedure, of how it fits together. The participatory is yeah. like what... Uh, rhetoric is to like logic and Mm -hmm. grammar that's right so the
0: better one can integrate this horizontal action of the horizontal plane with the vertical the better one can understand and the better one can participate Uh in becoming uh wise so we, we, we we want to be able to you know use understanding to generate plausibility And we also want to be able to go through our, you know, integrate our propositional, knowing, procedural, knowing, perspectival, knowing, and the participation Mm -hmm. together. And if we can integrate those properly.
1: We can supercharge our wisdom cultivation capacity as a species, which we need to do badly right now, like fast. This is the name of the game right now because we are in a meaning crisis and we are experiencing the disintegration of our societies and cultures and belief systems and spiritual systems and, and shared understanding and uh, moral systems. Well, and even what
0: it is to, you know, even say, an understanding of what
1: a virtuous life is anymore and, and you know, how to optimize
0: our life yeah, together. And even down to understanding, you know, ourselves as a person um, and understanding what the self is opposed to, like, you know, we'll go back to sticky ball theory. The self is the sticky ball that holds all the interactions within your life that make you, you, hmm. right? But ultimately, it's below all the things that stick to it. Hmm. That's the self, and we've, below for, that we've forgotten that
1: because we, we're pure state. That's right, just a pure state of pure awareness yeah. that all of our ideas yeah. and conditioning the and preferences ball. and expectations and reservations yeah, so are we, all attached yeah. to this. So yeah. we have this idea of ourself. In our cool. heads, but it's seen by an awareness, but then ma- Just like your emotions, your ideas are then, seen,
0: right, but then maximize this with uh, the fun, you know, the, the, the fact of social media, and now that we have entire generations that have known nothing but social media, which is in even further Dude, yeah. it, even further away relationship we that's sticking to your sticky increasingly ball disconnected of right? self. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you know, there's a lot of young people, and you can see this that lose lose themselves, mm-hmm. and it's you know we're and,
1: increasingly misidentified. And, we think that we are our egos and our ideas ourselves. We think that we are our opinions. Well,
0: and naturally, well, naturally, and it's, all of these things are and, so easily Well, heard, to right? a certain extent. We are for just common parlance, but mm. you know, like we we have the tendency as humans, when we're young, you know, we follow clicks, you know, like I was part more of the, you know, not quite goth, but goth adjacent kind of thing. And you know, we go through that. But as we grow up, we, we develop a truer form of relationship, um, or sets of relationships, we stick to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a child, you become a, if you're a male, you become a father. Mm -hmm. That is another relationship that identifies the self. Mm -hmm. That is one of the things, you know, you're not just a father, you are also you and all of your good and bad, you know, underneath Mm -hmm. of it all and all the other relationships. But the dangerous point we're at right now is there's a stunting of that becoming the sage by internalizing the sage, if you will, you know, what we're internalizing is poisonous. I agree. You, you yeah, know, absolutely. Um, and I'm not saying for everybody, and I'm not saying it to condemn or anything. It's just a fact of the matter.
1: No, we're, we've all gotten lost in it. I mean, well, just yeah. look at our modern age. Well, that's, you know? that's I look why at I got what, what off. Worshiping the, nowadays. That's why I
0: quit the Facebook and all the other stuff, man. Because it was, you know, I, I was becoming. We're worshiping I didn't ourselves. Like. We're worshiping yeah. basically depravity and perversion, and self-destruction, and
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, hate is a thing that we worship now othering is yeah, is right. a ritual that we're into now. yeah othering is a, a othering ritual. everybody yeah. yeah that's that's yeah the, it's a poison yeah it's like a dark ritual so we're playing with a lot of dark juju and it's all very divisive you know it's inherently disintegrating it's breaking us apart
0: i have hope though because you know like even more and more you know just random encounters with people um I'm seeing more people with the groggy eyes of waking up and actually waking up, not going, Beautifully. To, you know.
1: I'm seeing it a lot too, just this past year, really. It's, yeah, yeah something shifted. And um, at some point during 2023, and I don't even mean this in any kind of new age kind of way, like it's, we're following John Verveke's Awakening series here. We're not, you know, looking for some kind of, wild ancient alien hypothesis to explain yeah, I mean, why we're where we're at or that H- you know the earth is flat enough, or it's you know. this or this, this or that no it's we're already in the midst of a freaking wondrous miracle without explanation yeah. we're soaring through space there's infinite eternal room around us that always has been somehow yet did explode into time and space at some point somehow we don't know and you know we call it god we call it spirit or we call it
0: uh, you know bastard just in some cases you know if you're if pure you're materialistic your science God,
1: you know it's just chance pure chance and we just happen to be here now whatever it is it's a wonder and i think that that's a big enough that's a big enough um challenge for us to take on as it is just coming to awareness amidst this vast emptiness With this one fragile planet cradled in this skinny, thin shell shell of atmosphere by this one giant burning ball of plasma that we're just gravitationally tied to, traveling through space a million miles a day and never in the same place twice. Yeah. That's already enough. And we're trying to find meaning here together. And.
0: Well, it's, inter- it's interesting that you brought up the New Age, you know, mumbo jumbo thing. It's like, well, we are now in the age of Aquarius and we're awakening astronomically speaking. And Aquarius was a male, the man bearing water, which is seen as an egalitarian uh, symbol. Now, I think, I think the fallacious understanding of this is that, oh, men and women are going to be equal. I think partially that's part oh, of the on, thing. Hold on. Yeah, I know you're going. I, though. I, yeah. I think it's. Everyone is going to have the ability to seek wisdom and knowledge again together. Yes. Equally. Yes. It's a time. Not only some people can get it. No, we can all get it. This is the age of true equality, if you will. Balance of
1: the polarities. Balance of the polarities. The yin yang, you know, the light, the dark, the male, the female, the interrelating opposites come into a greater state of equilibrium.
0: Even beyond that, knowledge and wisdom are for a long time is something that was held for only certain people to engage with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now we're getting to the point where that doesn't work anymore. And the elite, if you will, are losing their power, because everybody else can we can watch this, we as can well. access yeah. this, we can think, we can communicate at a massive scale with each other, we can build wisdom if we truly want to. We can all read it. now, that's right. We're, we can all study, we can well, all learn, we can losing all practice. We're literacy, but we're all pretty much literate.
1: Well, we're more yeah. literate than we were, you could say, by and large, you know, yeah. per oh, capita yeah. in well, recent the, history. The, at you know, the
0: last age of Aquarius, you know, what was that, like uh, 20, 24,000 years ago? You know, it's every 2,000 years is an age. That's an interesting
1: way. thought, though, that we've been watching ourselves long enough to know that we go through cycles of learning and growth and that there's always going to be some age of Kali Yuga and breakdown and we made stories before there's another age of enlightenment. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, we got the, you know, the Pisces has its story. Taurus has its story. Aries has Mm -hmm. its story. Um, That's right. Aries has its story. And um, we are a stargazing species. Mm -hmm. Well, it's how we keep track of time Mm -hmm. um, quite literally.
1: Yeah, because that's the old Greek story that we're entering the age of Aquarius, but we're also talking about uh, Kali Yuga, you know, with the ancient yoga story
0: yeah, of yeah.
1: coming from one age into the next. So the Kali yeah. Yuga, this is the age of darkness and breakdown and hell and
0: yeah. war and, and uh, yeah. pestilence and, you know, all that fun stuff. And where did the Greeks learn all their stuff? From the ancients that were... As or more ancient to them than they are, yeah, probably
1: yogis, (laughs) you know, ancient Indian people.
0: Uh, And then all the way back, you know, back two hundred thousand years ago to
1: we we don't even know what preexisted. That's right. It's got to go back a long way. Our brains have been pretty much at this level for about the past two hundred thousand years. Homo sapien sapien, which is not just intelligent but wise now. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. just yeah. So it's crazy. This is where we're at.
1: This is an exciting time to be alive. It's like we're at this apex, pinnacle moment where we have this choice and we get to metamorph maybe into another level of being.
0: Hey, you know, I, I, I would just like a world in the universe where everybody has the equal to opportunity to fail. No, so like I'm that. on the scale and not equal opportunity to succeed because, you know, um, well, if you don't, well, you it, achieve that it, as best it, as you can, yeah, but it, you're at least going to have equal opportunity to fail. We're going to try and keep it fair. Yeah, yeah. You know, that also keeps, you know, incompetence from rising too high to the top. You know, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Be, I mean, there's well, there's going to
1: be a, a point where you can't do certain jobs. You know, well, and by on...
0: incompetence, I mean, like, you know, like some, how often have you heard the thing, oh, somebody only got that job because, you know, they're somebody's brother? Nepotism, or they're, right? They're yeah. Nepotism or favoritism or, mm-hmm. um, uh, ideology or mm-hmm. whatever you know mm-hmm. a uh, returning to an equal state where it's equal opportunity to fail it's like nah sorry man like i know you're my brother but you're kind of a dipshit and i don't want you driving that huge piece of machinery yeah. so you basically you hire the best person at the <laughs> yes. job
1: regardless of their superficial characteristics
0: yeah and yeah. also that that goes with personal relationships with people find the best people that work best with you you know, there's no point in destroying yourself trying to have relationships and understanding with people that do nothing but cause them harm and cause you harm through the relationship mm. is some personalities don't get along with each other very well. Certain mindsets don't get, I'm not saying that you can't, you know, be cool and, you know, hang out and whatever, but how, you know, how much energy do you invest in your relationships? Uh, hopefully a mm. lot. Mm. But nowadays it's a lot easier just to, you know, have relationships that are just nothing, mm. you know, dating yeah. apps, uh, social yeah. media friends where there's mm. you know like i'm not saying social media friends are bad or anything like that but you know what i mean you know it's like
1: well a lot of our friendships have become superficial that's right mm-hmm. and we are prizing the amount of acquaintances that we have on our social media yeah, how many followers do you have how many have followers, have or followers friends do, you do you have, have or, yeah, everything yeah. is so egocentric nowadays and everybody's obsessing over identity how they appear
0: but, you know, say with like the followers it's thing and all that. The whole stuff. idea of their self is their identity. If you use them as a metric to be able to optimize your system and get what you need and want out of it, then it's okay. And that's where, um, oh, where is it? It's in the notes. What is the thing that helps prevent e- egoism? Um, ah, that would be perspectival – uh, the perspective uh, internalizing, internalizing the sage, yeah, okay. yes, yes. So I have this many followers. I'm going to internalize that information. Realize that you know, okay, from this perspective, my perspective is I'm trying to get my business going that requires followers, opposed to the perspective of. But how would Socrates I need to feel better about myself?
1: Feel and, about this? Yeah, how much right. would he care about this? Or Jesus or Buddha, yeah. whoever you so, feel comfortable internalizing.
0: And it's context sensitive too. Followers, you kind of need them if that's your business. But if it's not your business. And something else is your business, and you're just doing it to feel good. It might Mm. interfere with your business. So the context you have to be sensitive to what context you're in and what you're going towards. Mm -hmm. You know, for you know, like. um,
1: So we're back to understanding now. We're back to that. Yeah, that which is context sensitive and wants to be context relative as well. Yeah, relevant.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, or relative and relevant. And we need to be able to find find. We need to be able to generate systems to be able to find plausibility and integrate our prospect our four different types of knowing so mm-hmm. we know we have our different types of knowing and then we're integrating how to figure out what is plausible within yes. our framework find of new knowing
1: domains explore new areas of research
0: participate in it yeah um, all the better yeah I, you know probably like it's it's funny it's like I, I'm the understanding light bulb clicks several episodes after the episode that we you know just yes hit, that happens a knows. lot with these because i'll also <laughs> be sitting down and just running it through my head while i'm driving in a car thinking you know you know how cause how you just chatter in your head mm-hmm.
1: and you, you this see- is really the ultimate way to understand how your brain ticks you will really get to know yourself if you actually really commit to the series it's it's pretty mind-blowing because Verbeke just breaks down how human awareness works and how we develop wisdom and you know how we de- self-deceive and bullshit ourselves as well. So giving us this map and this territory and helping us to optimize our own agent arena relationship, mm-hmm. yeah. how we operate in this world that we find ourselves in is can in turn help us as a species do so. And there's a lot of people out here like Verbeke, and uh, I'm glad that he does such a good job. Of making sure that he balances heads to those sure that he's working with yeah. or that he's learning from, and his and criticisms, how he's invited us into this too, because this isn't at a college. This series of lectures is too long for any college, yeah, you know, to to be able to take on. So it's it would have in to a semester, so it would yeah, have to be, have be broken, broken be down broken into. into Multiple, multiple semesters yeah. and multiple
0: years, which is just it's, kind of unfeasible. It's
1: also important, and it's at a level to where we all can not understand it. It's just a matter of following step-by-step step through it. But if this is a little bit too analytical for you guys, he already does also have another series that we're going to possibly get into at some point here as well. And that, that is the After Socrates, which is really now the actionable side of everything that we've learned here. So
0: bringing it into our lives, how are we going to cultivate wisdom in our lives personally and... A funny aside, so um I'm gonna be designing the um the set for our our new uh, space and you know you need things like plants and statues and stuff like that are we yeah. gonna have to get like you know like I have some plants like a Plato and a Socrates head and <laughs> like, I, you, you know, you that look like right. marble but they're really foam <laughs> yeah right right
1: I got a wooden skull that my brother gave me years and years ago that's like oh, a candle good. holder that's kind of cool I like to put sunglasses or masks and things on him so he's always chilling and we got some other uh, unique uh, objects, I think, that we can pull in. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited to get that s- started. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, let's jump back in, guys. We got about, I don't know, 15, 10, maybe just 10 minutes left here. So let's go ahead and finish this out, and then we'll uh, close it out with with all of you.
2: As I said, what also needs to be aligned is... Transformational experience, and that means an account of Gnosis needs to also be integrated into the account of wisdom. So, That notion of transformative, of transformation, of knowing through transform, transformation and becoming, so that knowing and becoming, knowing oneself and knowing the world and becoming a different agent in a different arena, bound together, right, we've talked about this. That transformative knowing, that transformative experience. There's of course many instances in which it's rather sudden or somewhat sudden and and so it, it has very much important features of insight and we've taken a look at that and that of course is again to recommend it one more time the seminal and powerful work of L.A. Paul. Now Agnes Callard, in her book Aspiration has, I believe it's 2016, um, has recently argued that there are also instances where people go through this transformative knowing that are much more incremental in nature. She doesn't deny this, but she argues that there are very many instances uh, about this. So, all of the the stuff we talked about here hasn't been dispensed with. This is being added as a complement and a supplement. So what's an example of this more incremental process. She she gives many examples. Um, Let's use one. You join a music appreciation class. Okay, and so we're using the word appreciation here not in the sense of gratitude, but how it's used when people talk about music appreciation, art appreciation. So you join a music appreciation class, class. What would make you a good student in the music appreciation class? If you're there because you want to impress your girlfriend or your boyfriend, or you're there because every time you go, um, you pass the chocolate store and you buy some chocolate, right, and that sort of, or you're there because you're just trying to get a credit. The person teaching the music appreciation is not going to regard you as a good student. Because why? Because the goal of music appreciation is to come to value music for its own sake. It's, it's to come to, it's to come to finding music intrinsically valuable and therefore something that is directly relevant to your meaning in life, something that you directly care about. Now the, the thing is, if you were a good, st- now think of the paradox here, and, and this is so beautiful the way uh, Keller brings it out. If I was a good student, I would appreciate music for its own sake, but if I appreciated music for its own sake, I do not need to take the music appreciation class. Right, do you see the paradox here? And then and, and Keller points it, this is the same thing when you decide you're gonna undertake a liberal education. The liberal education is gonna c- give you values and preferences that you don't currently have, right? So, the idea is the music appreciation. So, what do you do there? How do you you break through that dilemma? Now, let's be very clear. Callard is in agreement with L.A. Paul that you can't get through this in an inferential fashion for all of the arguments we've already seen, right? She talks about it, she does make something uh, clear that I don't think is clear in Paul's work. She talks about the fact that this process, this process of trying to acquire, right, an appreciation for something as intrinsically valuable. She calls this process aspiration. Where you might call this process more inspiration, the sudden insight, right? Inspiration versus aspiration. So you're aspiring, and she points out. Something that I think is really clear that this has to be a form. This has to be something that can be seen as a rational process. Now, of course, there's ways in which we can screw this up. But what she wants to argue is that there's a form of rationality appropriate to aspiration. She calls it proleptic rationality. Probably like when you gave when you were doing proleptic things in the ancient world, you were trying to encourage people right to cultivate particular virtues or values. Uh, proleptic rationality. Why? Because if we were to say that the person who is engaged in aspiration, who is trying to become somebody other than they are, to go through the transformative experience, to have a perspectival knowing, a participatory knowing that they do not currently have, if we were to say Right? Because they're not operation, they cannot do that inferentially. They cannot use decision uh, theory to do that. If we were to say, "Oh, therefore they're irrational," notice the paradox we fall into, because we would have to we would have to conclude this, that if I am aspiring to rationality, because you have to, that would be an irrational thing to do. If I'm aspiring to virtue, that would be an irrational thing to do. If I decide to take up a liberal education to become a better person, a different better person, then that would be an irrational thing to do. On pain of kind of a, not a propositional contradiction, but a performative contradiction, remember we talked about performative contradiction? This, to call that irrational would be a performative contradiction. My aspiring to rationality has to be itself a kind of rationality. That's proleptic rationality. Or to use something older, my loving of wisdom, my loving of wisdom, my aspiring to becoming wise, cannot itself be an irrational process. It has to be rational. Not inferential rational, for sure. So first of all, she does that excellent work of saying, look, this is we've got to broaden our notion of rationality to include aspiration, I would argue, We have to broaden our notion of rationality to include inspiration as well. And that's a way in which I'm being uh, radically sort of uh, reconstructive of Romanticism. So now the issue becomes, what's going on here? Well, I'm going through a process of identity change, transformative experience, participatory knowing, right? And here's where. Here's where Callard's work is a a little bit lacking. Because, while she makes a very good case for aspiration, and a very good case for the nature of aspiration, that it's proleptically rational. She doesn't give us very much towards a psychology of aspiration. And that's, of course, perhaps because she's a philosopher. She does offer uh, a couple of cues. Let's go back to the music appreciation. So I want to be, I want to, and think about how this connects to and trying to tempt yourself into the good. But you've ca- you got to do it in this tricky way. And think about also how it's related to Gnosis and trying to get out of existential entrapment. So what I've got to do is I've got to give myself, I've got to have a value that will get me currently engaged. Here's, here's my frame now. It will get me currently engaged with music, right? But I will be able to give up that value right when i actually value music for its own sake so you see what's going on here you need to she calls it a placeholder but it's actually in our sense it's a symbol it's something that connects the future you and its way of life or your way of life to the to the current you and it does it by having this double faced not duplicitous cuz you're aware of this that's what makes it a rational process this right this double faced thing so right I may, right, go to the music class because I currently have the value of sort of making myself do things that I find difficult. Right? Now, that's not the same value as appreciating music. But I do that, right, on, with the understanding that, right, that is temporary. That is to try and get me into a liminal place where i can start to play with what it's like to value music for its own sake to enter that world you can see right the connections to gnosis here you can see the connections to symbolic enactment here aspiration is deeply bound up i would argue with gnosis and then something that callard doesn't talk at all about but we've already talked about I think aspiration is deeply connected to wonder. Wonder gets you to question, almost like Socratic aporia, your world view, your sense of self. It opens up and it motivates you, right? It opens you up and motivates you to go through aspirational change. Right? I think if you have a wonderful kind of gnosis that's got the appropriate placeholder, In place, that's the beginnings of a psychological account of how we can go through aspiration. So I think we can bring what was needed for a theory of wisdom, because of course, philosophia. We aspire to wisdom. and, And we always aspire to wisdom, because to claim, and this is a deep point that we've achieved wisdom, is kind of a mistake. So we need an account of understanding, an account right, of Gnosis, and, and, and these are all related, and an account of aspiration. We need them to be further explicated, integrated, and then integrated with uh, the, the account of wisdom that I've been arguing for already. Okay. I want to try and draw this all together now. <coughs> so... I'll I'll point to what's going on, because I'm going to need more time. Um, I'm going to need time from the next episode to try and draw this all together. What I want to do in the drawing together is I want to try and draw this all together into an account of what wisdom is. I'll I'll say what this is now, so I don't just leave you completely hanging, but I want to come back and develop it. And then I want to try and connect this notion of wisdom back to enlightenment and back to uh, responding awakening from the meaning crisis here's the account of wisdom i'm going to leave you with and then i'm going to come back and try and uh, at least defend uh, develop and defend a bit wisdom is an ecology of psychotechnologies an ecology of styles that dynamically and that means reciprocally right in a reciprocal fashion constrain and optimize each other, such that there is an overall optimization, enhancement of relevance realization. Relevance realization within inference, within insight, and intuition, Right, the connection to implicit processing, internalization, understanding, gnosis, transformation, and aspiration. Wisdom is an ecology of psychotechnologies and cognitive styles that dynamically enhance relevance realization in inference, insight and intuition, internalization, understanding and gnosis, transformation and aspiration. In that sense, what's happening right, is something that's already overlapping with the machinery of enlightenment. We're seeing that wisdom is a dynamical system. A dynamical system that is counteractive to the machinery of self-deception and that helps to afford the self-organized transformation into the life of flourishing. A life that is deeply meaningful. Thank you very much for your time and attention.
1: Meow, 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 Rough, rough, rough. Wow. Rough,
0: rough, rough. Wow. Rough, rough, rough. rough So where we started was uh, we need to integrate an account of gnosis in, into wisdom. Mm-hmm
1: we need to bring that transformational experience and gnosis into this account so what is transformative knowing and experience mm-hmm. well and we can have sudden we can have sudden and that's like that we, burst yeah. of insight um, yeah. or we can have incremental
0: as uh agnes collard okay. thank you demonstrates yeah, it. i not get yeah. that name so an example he gave is um, a music appreciation class and you know, like what it is to be a good student. So if you're mm-hmm. going there to impress somebody, or if you know, going there, you, you, you get your little sweets on the way, or you just need the credit, you'll be judged badly as a bad student, a, a good student would be you're somebody who guitar, already yeah. appreciates music for its own sake. But here's the paradox, if you already appreciate music for its own sake, and you, what's the point, what's of the, the point, right? Okay, yeah. so, you know, then this is the process of aspiration. Um. The The goal
1: is to find. So, if the goal is of taking the class is to find value in music for its own sake, um, we can't get this through inference, through the process of trying to acquire. Uh, We may at least sub in something aspirational. So she she notes that aspiration has to be a rational process. There must be something rational going on here because it does work. Mm -hmm. But this is like this. I kept returning to this idea of this old monk, the story of this old monk that has been studying for 30, 40, 50 years. And he's like, one day he's like, teacher, I'm seeing kids that are decades younger than me now that are achieving enlightenment. Why have not I not yet achieved enlightenment? And his teacher says, you need to burn all your books, man. You need to throw all that away, all these ideas now, because you are there. You just are stuck on the the old placeholder icon, you know, that you used to aspire towards this knowing. Now that you comprehend it and understand it, you must live it. You must participate in it. You must embody and integrate this into your life. So he's like, let go of the books. Stop studying. You're done. You're ready. You know, but that's, um, you know, if I'm inspiring to rationality, that has to be a kind of rationality there is something rational going on even here, though so it
0: seems paradoxically like you it is know, very paradoxical irrational. but it it does work this doing this works for us so there's something called prolectic rational- rationality, rationality yeah. is the word she uses and so what we need to do so here the, is it, is broaden our definition of rationality yes to, to include, incorporate yeah aspiration as well as as, as the act of trying as well. to encourage
1: people to. Take certain values, or yeah. you know, and but to, to gain that value, you yeah. have to, and
0: also to go through those identity changes,
1: yes, to be able to embody it, yeah, right, um, yeah, because it's a virtue that we're looking at. So, we need a value. Um, I don't know what I wrote there, uh, but to gain the apprecii- appreciation of music, well, okay, yeah, we need something that holds that place,
0: yeah,
1: you know, we need a value to gain the appreciation of music and then be able to let it go once we gain it. This gets us into a liminal place. Into... Uh, before you get there, real quick. Okay. So,
0: uh, Verveke's critique of her work in this is she does not give a psychological account of aspiration. Of course, not because she's not a psychologist. Right. Um, so, you need a symbol, say, you know, um, a symbol to connect your future self with your present self in this liminal space that facilitates. That um, holds that value to gain yeah. the appreciation of
1: that thing yeah. for us, yeah. So it's it gets us into that liminal place where we can play with it, play with the idea of what it's like until we achieve it, actually, and then we can let that old placeholder go. And I
0: think for Vakie saying that this 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 symbol or this practice is is that that will get us in this liminal space is we are using gnosis to get us through into appreciation, Mm -hmm. and wonder, specifically, which motivates you. um, Yes, to go through aspirational changes.
1: Yes, yes. So that prolectic rationality opens us up and motivates us to go through that aspirational changes you were saying there. And we can do this through the love of wisdom
0: in philosophia and the shared love of wisdom, we aspire to wisdom together. So we need an account of under, um, understanding, gnosis, and aspiration. Mm, yes. I love how this kind of rationality is like a,
1: an orientation to uh, to a willingness, a, a mode of being that is open to aspirational change. So in our drawing together, an account of what wisdom is, we need to connect it back to enlightenment and how we awaken from the meaning crisis and we can recognize now that wisdom is an ecology of psychotechnologies.
0: So uh, styles... I, I have it right here in his own words, if you want okay, to read it, out, it, it's a yeah. lot. So um, wisdom is an ecology of psychotechnologies, an ecology of styles that dynamically and that... Reciprocally. Re- reciprocally... Um, in a reciprocal fashion and constrain and optimize each other such that there is an overall optimization enhancement of relevance realization uh, relevance realization within inference within insight and into into intuition mm-hmm. it's like the connection to implicit processing internalization understanding gnosis transformation and aspir- aspirational wisdom is an ecology of psychotechnologies cognitive styles that dynamically enhance relevance realization in inference insight and inst- intuition internalization understanding and gnosis transformation and aspiration
1: so he restates it there yeah. to, to try and further <laughs> clarify it but it's basically it's a dynamic counteractive way for us to it's okay so
0: well we need to use all the psychotext that yeah, we have yes a, dyna-
1: a dyna- dynamic counteractive way to orient us towards flourishing away from self deception, towards meaning in life. And dynamically in a way that it you know is that dynamically integrates all of our different yeah. kinds of knowing optimally yeah. in the world.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, he's
1: come up with an account for wisdom So that that's gonna be this the next next episode. Is very comprehensive. I think he's done a good job here, man. It only took him forty five episodes to do it. Not bad, right?
0: Oh, man. Yeah, it's uh, okay.
1: This this helps us though. This helps us understand our different wisdom schools.
0: Sure. And it, well, you know, it's so it, it's, it's in a whole new way, you know, a, we a, can see what was working and our, what, and what, our cognitive and styling, why. Um, mm-hmm. different not, not Gnostic in the sense of the perverted Gnostic, but gnosis and Gnostic practices to help get you into that state. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, to help get you into that liminal state, and by liminal we mean moving through. Like this will a hallway help. is a liminal space that moves. Design
1: in. and yeah. find old, you know, old rituals. Design new rituals yeah. that optimize the different four kinds of knowing: the propositional, the procedural, the participatory. I know I'm always missing one in there. Uh, let's see, uh,
0: procedural. Uh, so let's start. Let's start with uh, propositional. Yeah, which a proposition is, you know, basically a statement. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, the sky is blue. So knowing something well enough to be able to talk about it. Yes, okay, the blueness
1: of the sky. The procedural is the skill of something. So learning how to
0: ride a bike, for Uh, instance, the procedure. Learning to look out, you know, how to look out the window and look up, if you will, for looking at the sky. Hmm. Um, hmm. that, you know, or say if you're looking further into the sky, how to use the telescope in order for you to say, look, at ah, the, the process
1: of, cali- you know, y- yes. zooming in and yeah, tuning out the and proce- calibrating this, your procedural is a, a lot of, it all has, it's how we develop our skills. So yeah. all aspects of the
0: procedure of something. So and the proposition is there are stars. The procedure is here. Learn how right. to use this and thing to look how, at the stars.
1: we know how fine-tuned our versatility can get using different
0: you know objects and things. So and then there's the perspective. The perspectival knowing. You are here at this point looking at those stars from this perspective. And what does that mean, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then there is the… And how
1: to tune yourself in the different perspectives that you're taking. Yeah. The cognitive styles that
0: allow us to develop our temperance, our fortitude, our courage. Mm-hmm. And then there is the participation in the acts yes. of knowing. Yes,
1: participatory knowing is the ultimate graduation and encompassment of all the previous knowings.
0: You are looking you through have the to. telescope. You are logging what you have seen. You are working with others to make sense of it. You you're are a scientist, process, yes,
1: you know. now in a process and of solving something with others. you are an astronomer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, you are <an>, participating <laughs> as with an astronomer. But we can understand participatory, p- participatory knowing very simply as like – when you take on the role of a member in something, or um, say you're in a marriage, or say you're mm-hmm. a teacher to student, or you're at a play and you're watching, or you're watching a comedian and you're the audience, yeah. this is your participatory knowing is. And
0: so those you who, understand
1: how to act and participate in this situation. Yeah. You could be a player on a team. You know, yeah. you know what your exact role is and how to best participate yeah. to to the best
0: of the team overall. You know. And so, say like take the astronomer. Um, example, then there is the horizontal aspect of this, which is the pl- plausibility generation, being like, okay, is that a star? Is that a planet? How is it moving around? What's the plausibility of a B or C? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and the combination of these two, or those everything two axes comes into gives play us now. understanding, oh, yeah. and an optimal- we are not the center of the universe, we're actually going around something else. And other, the other things we're looking at are actually going around something else, the same something else as well.
1: It helps us locate yeah. ourselves in a more refined fashion yeah. the further yeah. we go, sure. no matter what we're doing. It's us
0: enhancing the ancient arena relationship. relationship. And arena then, relationship, then that helps yeah. build
1: up our other ways that we can interact with the world and one another. And it's just this beautiful counteractive process, a dynamic counteractive process to the downward spiral. This is the upward spiral yeah. or the spiral out.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and not just counteractive, but also uh, to some degree opponent process as well, like as a species, we do have these two regulatory forces, an expansionary one and then a condensing one, a a creating one and a destroying one. Right, so we have to learn how to spiral in and spiral out and be able to do them both at the same time, really. yeah. yeah. Because
1: we have to be self-aware without being egocentric. Mm -hmm. We have to be aware of the outer world as well. We have to understand that we are interconnected with the world, but we are also an independent agent. Mm -hmm. How best to operate this independent agent in respect to that outer world, and it's just this continual... Reinforming reciprocal process yeah. that we are growing through together. This is cool. Okay, this was awesome. This was a great episode, guys. He pulled so much together. Like things are clicking deeper than they ever have. The four kinds of knowing. Really, it all makes sense now. Finally, Agent Arena relationship all makes sense. The importance of of insight, internalizing the sage to. In to dynamically integrate ourselves, our lives, our knowing, our understanding with the world, how to develop and cultivate wisdom as that dynamic counteractive force to the self-deception in our world, to find more
0: meaning together and awaken from this meaning crisis. Yeah, you know, it's worth doing. What's the worst that can happen? You, you fail at understanding the... Uh, mysteries of the universe and the human psyche well come on (laughs) that's that's fine at least we're going somewhere you know even if we (laughs) fail to understand it completely
1: (laughs) yeah yeah well this you know this could help us with ai as well we needed to be able to develop ai that has wisdom to match
0: well intelligence. considering ai is already more populous on the internet than actual people using the internet and we already
1: have the problem of not having the wisdom to wield the vast intelligence that we have. Because our intelligence can create atom bombs, and it can also create world-saving technologies.
0: Uh, Nuclear reactors to provide energy. Exactly.
1: So it's all double-edged swords out there, Mm -hmm. and we need the wisdom to understand how to wield them.
0: Double-edged swords with a razor blade handle. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, that seems to be the ones that we've been picking up and handling. There must be a way to use the
0: force to wield them. Ah, yes. The Schwartz. The Schwartz. The Schwartz. If any of y'all are a fan of space balls. (laughs) I
1: love when they get their radar jammed.
0: (laughs) Strawberry. (laughs) Strawberry. All
1: right, guys. This has been another episode of Meaning Making 101. Thank you so much for joining us. I've been Chris. I've been DJ. And we are going to see you all next time. Episode 46. It says conclusion. What the heck? Yeah, it's not. There's episodes after that. There are a few episodes after that, though. Okay, right. but he wraps it all together, and then maybe he's he starts yeah. the trek down, or at least starts to detail what the road is like that he he's gets going down. he gets into some other people. That's yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll go through it. Fun. All right, fam. Love you guys. We'll, well see you soon. Meow. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I <meow> was like, meow. <laughs> rough.